Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. It is important that we see ourselves properly before God. And part of that is realizing that in and of ourselves, that we have no merit, there's nothing that we can cling to based upon what we have done that is going to make us acceptable to God. But rather, it's only through the work of Messiah. What He did in our behalf on Passover, on that cross that gives us the grace whereby God will see us and receive us into His presence. And the purpose that we want to draw near to God is to worship Him, to to grow in our knowledge of who He is because the greater knowledge we have of who He is positions us in a better location to worship Him. And that's why humanity exists. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 73. Now, we began this psalm last week. God willing, we're going to complete it in this study. But I want to go back to a previous verse and look at the last part of our teaching last week. Look with me to Psalm 73, beginning in verse 12. Now, you'll recall that the author is a man by the name of Asaph, and he wants to discern things properly. And primarily here in this psalm, he wants to see himself as one who understands who he is in and of himself and in a redemptive relationship with God. And I want to pick up in verse 12. So look there with me, Psalm 73 and verse 12, where he says, Behold, these, and notice, throughout this psalm, he makes a dichotomy, a distinction between himself and those who share his faith and those who do not. And he says, behold, these, these ones who have no covenantal relationship with God, who do not know the God of Israel, who are not part of the family of God. He says, behold, these are wicked ones. Now, they because of wickedness they're not going to have any intimacy with god and therefore because of no intimacy they're not going to have peace they're not going to have any assurance they're not going to have any comfort in their life and therefore what do do people like that do they can't find consolation and comfort in god therefore notice what it says here but eternal tranquility this is what everyone wants this eternal peace that pass that passes all understanding being content and it says eternal tranquility they achieve 
Through what? Through wealth. And when we look at this world, we see many times people are about acquiring more and more possessions, believing the accumulation of things, of wealth, will bring about happiness in their life. And nothing could be further from the truth. So we have two very different approaches. One that is a pursuing of God. And the other is a pursuing of wealth. They have been deceived thinking that they're going to find that inner peace, that eternal tranquility through the accumulating of things. And they are incorrect. Verse 13. Now, verse 13 is where we come to a very important uh, uh, concept. And the word here that we want to focus in on primarily is a word in Hebrew in this passage, zikiti. Now, it comes from a word that can have two understandings, and they're very closely related. Now, someone goes before a judge. The prosecutor, he wants to bring charges against that person. And a judge sometimes hears the evidence. Now, this is to see if there's enough merit in the evidence that that person would have to go to trial so there's a preliminary hearing the judge is giving some evidence or sometimes it's a grand jury in america that looks at this to see if a trial is warranted and sometimes that grand jury or the judge himself he will be presented this evidence and he will say it's insufficient And based upon that, that person is exonerated. That person does not have to stand trial. And whatever he's been accused of, well, it's not proper. He is not going to suffer any of those accusations against him because he has been exonerated. Now, there's a close relationship between being exonerated and being cleansed, being pure being someone who has been cleansed from unrighteousness or sin from a spiritual standpoint. Now, when someone is exonerated, they have this exoneration gives them merit, meaning it positions them in a position where they are are privileged like everyone else, meaning that they don't lose any rights, they don't go to jail, they don't have to pay any fine, they have have this exoneration which allows them to carry on without any type of abnormal or unusual limitations. So what he says here, look at the next verse, verse 13. But, now many will say in vanity, but it's not the word in vanity, but it's word reek, which means emptiness. And we have the word my heart, and heart is synonymous with thoughts and thinking. So what Asaf is saying is this, but empty, my heart has merited or been exonerated, meaning this. He has recognized that before God, What can he offer? What does he have to impress God? Nothing. He has made himself empty before God, realizing, God, I I have nothing that I can point to in my life 
that 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 causes me merit before you or causes me to be exonerated by you i am guilty i have no merit i have recognized my state of being empty before you now this is how i have interpreted last week and notice when we have that that view it says i have washed in this next word nikayon that which is clean my palms now some will say hands but it's not the normal word hands for yad or plural yadayim it's the word kapai which is palms why well we all know the verse of scripture and we see this a few times in the bible where it says i lift up holy hands to you well it's not the word oftentimes for hands but but showing manifesting one's palms why because symbolically when one is guilty in sin their palms are stained so we see for example elsewhere in the scripture saying i have a clean heart and clean palms before you meaning i can go before and show you that what emptiness there's no sin in my life why i have been cleansed so when we realize that we in and of ourselves have no merit that we have nothing that we can cling to to say god i'm acceptable to you now we know what is necessary to have clean palms and to be exonerated before god and that is faith in the passover sacrifice of messiah yeshua we know that that yeshua jesus christ died on passover to purchase with his blood eternal redemption but but asaf remember he's writing long before the work of messiah and he's saying here i have no merit i recognize the inadequacy of my life and it's only when we do this then and only then can we receive that that ministry of being made clean being pure in god's eyes look at verse 14. now this is where we concluded last week and i want us to understand that there are two ways that this section is being understood some would translate verse verse 13 this way but in vanity i have cleansed my heart and i have washed my palms in in that which is clean so he's saying in vanity i've done this why well now look at the next verse and i have been struck all day long this word nagua to be struck it's a word of punishment and i've been reproved for the morning meaning morning light so in the same way and i share with you the scripture says each morning mercy is renewed well here it's saying every day every morning i go through this this being reproved by god so some would understand this section this way but in vanity there was no no merit nothing good that came from this i cleansed my heart but it was in vain i washed my palms in that which was clean but there was no goodness from that why because i have been struck all day long and i've been reproved every morning now i would look at this very differently than that 
I would say that he's saying, I've recognized I have no merit. My thoughts are correct. There's nothing that gives me privilege in and of myself before God. And it's only when I have been washed and that which is clean that I can can stand before you, that I can show you my palms. And then he says, I would interpret it, verse 14. And or even though I have been struck all day long and I've reproved, been reproved every morning, I would say that this is a good thing. Why? Struck, not in a sense of punishment, as some would say, but struck with conviction. And this reproof is a word of correction as well. So we see that, that Asaf is saying, I have every morning, gone through this this conviction and this reproving this is what we should do this is what we want the holy spirit to do in our life because if we don't now let's begin the second part of our study look at verse 15 he says if i have said and i will speak like meaning like them that's the implication if i will have that wrong mindset if i will speak like them He says this, behold, the generation of your sons I I have betrayed. If I had that mindset that, that God is this way, that I follow him, that I embrace him, and then, then I'm punished, this is not what he's saying. He's saying, if I would think like they would think, behave like them then i would be someone who have spoken and been someone who betrays the the sons of the generation who he's called to minister to he says look at verse 16 and if i had thought to know thus if this is what i i I achieved to know he says trouble it would be in my eyes when i think of anything that is wrong incorrect about god his ways his practices what he reveals if i think incorrectly about those things don't understand his truth then there's going to be trouble in before me my eyes will see trouble now by the word way this word amal for trouble is word of laboring and oftentimes laboring in vain that's the context doing something that does not have the the expected uh, results so he says look again verse 15 i would have been someone that was a traitor to the generation of your sons i would have been someone who thought thus and therefore trouble it would be in my eyes that's what i would see verse 17 now in verse 17 we see what brought about change in his life and this change that came upon upon him also brought change in his perspective look at verse 17 i would suggest to you that it's one of the most important verses in in this psalm where he says i if i would have taught falsely if i would have had this wrong view to to know this trouble is what i would have been experiencing but 
there's been a change what brought about this change until i came to the the holy places of god the sanctuaries of god and i understood and here's the key i understood their end what would happen to them what is this speaking about therein well it's speaking about a transition and what is that transition judgment day we need to realize that between this world and the kingdom judgment day that is what's in between experiencing things in this world life in this world and entering into the kingdom of god judgment there's going to be that that overwhelming day of judgment that we read about for example in prophecy in the book of revelation but we also have that individual day of 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 judgment where it's been appointed to everyone to die once and after that the judgment after that judgment they go into those who are believers they go into the kingdom of god so he says here everything was was brought about a change of my understanding my perspective when i entered into to the sanctuaries of god verse 18 and he understood something about the others he says but slippery places he set to them meaning this they're going down all these things that they are embracing those who have rejected a covenant rejected the truth of god who holds on to to wealth as their security he says they're in a very slippery position and furthermore he says and and they're going down they're going to fall into he says destruction now one thing that's interesting is that this word destruction is in the plural and i would suggest to you that sometimes the plural is used to show abundance so they're going down they're on a slippery place they're going to fall and they're going to go into here abundant destruction verse 19 but they were for destruction or desolation as a moment all it says here is this that there's a coming time that they have been designated for desolate desolation and and that's going to happen in a moment and then it says that they are going to to come to an end and he uses two words for that they are going to to come to an end they are going to conclude and it's going to be brought to them from and notice this next word it's a word for fear but it's also in the plural abundant fear so therein their conclusion is going to be eternal and abundant fear now this is something that's a very important part of god's eternal judgment yes we know that there's going to be that that eternal sorrow that eternal torment but there's also going to be eternal fear fear is a horrible feeling and that's what they are going to experience forever and ever again notice what he says verse verse 20 as a dream that has come to an end so they have been living a life of fantasy a life of falsehood in the same way that you dream something 
You might dream that you are a great individual, that you are, are famous, that you have abundance in everything. But when you wake up, you realize all of that was not. There was nothing to it. There was nothing of any significance to that dream. This is what he's saying. As a dream that has come to its end, then he says, O Lord, basically wake up, bring about a a revelation. Wake up to reality and it sees it'll be shown that, that you despise their image, meaning what they become. Now, we are either going to become one of two things, and this word is very important for image. Why? Well, it's the same word that we find in the book of Genesis, where it says, in the image of God, we have been created. And what does that mean? We are called to reflect God, His glory, His ways, His truth, His purposes. This is the image that we should convey. They're not. Their image is going to be of a fallen world, and therefore, God has contempt. It says here, you will despise or you will have contempt. That's literally what we are being told. Verse 21. For, for my heart has, has been made sour, and my kidneys, and this is a, another important word for a seat of a thought or emotion it says has been pierced now what he's saying here is this he has talked about what is coming then this judgment this harshness of god's wrath that's being poured upon them and he says basically my heart is is sour to that seeing the retribution of god is a a startling thing for for this Asaf. And he says, it's like my heart has been pierced when I see what's going to happen to them. And I look at verse 22. Now, this sourness of the heart and this this being pierced is going to produce a good thing. When we understand, and this is what that previous verse was speaking about, rightly understanding the severity of God's judgment when we do we're going to have a very different perspective we're going to see this verse 22 and i we have a word here which means someone who is is unaware unknowledgeable ignorant someone who is when it comes to knowing things he's he's very dense so he says but i am dense and i did not know what he's realizing here is how severe god's judgment is how god has anger for sin he's saying i was dull to these things i was dense to the great degree of holiness that you have for all of your creation and then he says i was like animals with you and the implication is this i was like some dumb animal before you god that i did not understand the severity the seriousness of of your judgment 
and God's judgment has a purpose it brings things into the order of God and he's just simply saying how important that is to you God that your order is is reflected in this world because God's order is a necessity for God's glory to be manifested and he's serious about that and therefore look at verse 23 where he says and I always am with you and my right hand will hold on to the hand meaning the hand of God I want to remain in this this relationship with you in your counsel verse 24 in your counsel lead me and after glory meaning when i behave according to the counsel of god what's going to be the outcome glory now we are called to reflect god meaning this make the decisions that he would make do the things that he wants done when we do that following his counsel we can't do it in and of ourselves it's only through his revelation this is what counsel is being referred to here in your counsel your knowledge your illumination of truth lead me and after after glory is manifested notice what it says you take me the implication is this we want to be someone who lives a life that is full of manifesting God's glory and after having that type of life he's saying then you take me I have a purpose he's acknowledging God I have a purpose here and that is to put things into your order that your glory is manifested I behaved like you do and then at the end of that at the end of this glory it says you take me verse 25 now verse 25 is a special verse unto me and hopefully it will be unto you as well it is a verse that that truly gives us a foundational understanding of of humanity in light of the reality of god he says here who is to me in the heavens now the implication implication is god god is one who is to me or for me in the heavens and with you i do not desire in the earth meaning this when i recognize who is for me in the heavens heaven is a kingdom word i have someone who has a kingdom future for me waiting it's god and when i think about what god has for me in his kingdom he says look at the end of verse verse 25 with you i do not have any desire in this world now this is a huge verse because this is what it's saying when i recognize the love of god that he has for me the the things that are waiting for me when i live in that glorious life obeying god doing his work when i realize what god has for me in his kingdom the things of this world i don't desire now it's good illustration is this imagine going to perhaps your favorite restaurant or going to someone's home that is a gourmet cook and you have just that waiting for you in the next hour 
Now, you're hungry, but someone offers you uh, stale leftovers. You're not going to have any desire for them. Why? You know what you're going to be partaking of in the near future. This is what this verse is teaching us. Because we have someone who is for us in the kingdom. He's for us because of this covenantal relationship. I've shared with you a covenant is a container of promises and blessings, God's promises, his blessings for us. He has those waiting. We get a foretaste in this world, but primarily they are kingdom rewards. And because of the wonderful quality of these blessings and promises, we're not going to be seeking things and have these desires of the counterfeit things of this world. He says, verse 26, my flesh and my heart, it's finished. Meaning this, I am not going to, to be led by my flesh and heart here is my thoughts. Meaning, I am not going to have me any longer be the source of of what i do and what i am all of that has come to an end i have ceased why notice the next part the rock of my heart and my portion so he's saying my portion and the foundation it's the word rock the rock the foundation of how i think and my portion is who it's the eternal god the god of the kingdom this is what he's saying when you have that strong kingdom commitment you're not going to be led astray by by the counterfeit things the deceiving things of this world we look at something we say oh this is a a very expensive watch it's worth worth many thousands of dollars people i want that watch i want people to see me wear that watch that gives me such satisfaction how futile how foolish that watch is going to wear out if it's not in your lifetime it will be in your children's or your children's children but eventually that watch is not going to have any value and even if it has that that great value there's coming a day read revelation where god's going to bring all the wealth of this world to nothingness and he's going to do it in a moment so none of that has any eternal value when one is kingdom-minded he has a a passion for that which has eternal value so what is your life living for those things that have a temporary value that's going to be one day worthless or do you seek that which has kingdom value this is what he's saying here and he says my heart my thought and my portion is is the eternal god the god of the kingdom verse 27 for behold the ones who are far from you what does that mean those who have no covenantal relationship with you those who are not going to be in the kingdom we speak about the god of the heavens that's the kingdom god those who are far from you what's going to happen they have no covenant they will perish and it says and and destruction this word means to be brought to an end all those who are 
disloyal now this word is a word for harlotry it's a word that can be used frequently is used frequently prophetically for idolatrous thoughts and it says basically those who have that that idolatrous thinking they are going to be destroyed they are going to be brought to an end apart from you they have no future with god this is what asaf is telling us verse 28 our last verse what is good well we mentioned covenant is a relationship word and he says here verse 28 but this is in contrast to them but i the closeness of god to me is good so he's saying being close to god for me this is good this is what he sees as desirable as an objective this word good it's related to the will of god we find intimacy in the will of god but here we're talking about the objective and he's saying being close to god is my objective and this is indeed the will of god so he says i have placed in the lord god my shelter what he means is this i find refuge i find safety security because i have have placed myself with the lord god in that covenantal relationship with him this is what asaf is admonishing us seek that covenant hopefully if you're listening you are in already that covenant through messiah's blood that new covenant but are you living according to the kingdom expectations that you should have that are rooted in a covenantal relationship he says let's conclude last part of verse 28 which means to tell what he wants to do is to tell all of your works now it ended in this way for a reason it goes back up to what i've mentioned earlier in and of ourselves we have no merit before god i have nothing to show god my good works based upon myself you say well we should have good works yes but it's the holy spirit's anointing that enables us to do good works now we will receive rewards but in actuality it is god working through us he gives us the rewards he does the work we are just a a submissive vessel and what he's saying here is this i have no merit what i'm going to speak on what i'm going to focus what i'm going to shout what i'm going to tell is your all of your works it's simply sharing how important it is to give god thanksgiving to give him glory to recognize that he is and what's done that is good always is related to him well i'll close with that until next week and we begin psalm 74 until then shalom from israel well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org again to find out more about us please visit our website loveisrael.org there you will find articles and numerous other lectures by baruch these teachings are in video form 
may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.